And now, and now, the best of Pete Price. The best of Pete Price. On Radio City 96.7 and City Talk 105.9. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Peter. Hiya. Hi, I'm just having enough of all saying I'm jumping at your class in the um, schools. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a good idea, I think, because I'm pregnant myself and I'm only 15. And it's just... It's, I think it's personally good because students are getting the education that they need and also they can also look after the kids as well. Yeah, but the awful thing is, Sarah, where's the money supposed to come from to pay for all this? It's expensive. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, the money doesn't go on money trees. You know, we're in a crisis. You know, nice are saying that we should do this, we should help, we should have these clinics set up. But there's no money in the pot. The NHS is stretched to the limits. 15-year-old girls should be enjoying their life, having fun, not having babies. Yeah. I know. It, it's stupid, like, the way they get pregnant and that, and they don't get the education that they need. Because... Sarah, how can they not get the education they need? Having sex with somebody from another... Uh, from a male guarantees virtually if you don't use a condom you will have sex and have a baby what else do you learn to need Le- uh, learned, uh, what else do you need to learn not really it's just like I think they should be able to do like more sex education in school as well but what more sex education do you need than that if you sleep with a boy and he wants his wicked way with you and you have intercourse and you don't wear a condom you have 99.9% certain of getting pregnant. How much more do you need to know? Not. I mean, when's your baby due? December. And is this the first baby? It is. How did your parents take it? My nan went too happy at first. And, but it's what I've wanted for a long time. At 15 years old, it's what you wanted? Yeah. You don't want a life, you just want a baby? It's not that. It's like, in the past, I've always, like... In the past, I've always, like, not had the love of my biological mum. And I've always wanted to just have a baby of my own to give it that love that I never got from my mum. And I've wanted a baby since I was about, say, about 12. About 12 years of age, I've wanted a baby. But if you love this baby that's going to be, and, and I don't doubt for one moment that you uh, won't love this child, yeah. where do you think the money's going to come from, from for you as a 15-year-old child to bring this baby into this world? Where, where's the money coming from? Um... I really don't know. <laughs> That's an unbelievable statement. You really don't know. So you, all you're thinking of is having a baby. Do you not think that's selfish? Uh, no, I, I do, like, but I know that I get help and support from my nan. And but your nan's not going to keep you. Your nan's not going to pay all the bills. I know that. I'm not saying that she would. So who's paying all the bills? Me? No. Jonathan? Well, yeah, we're paying taxes. Total strangers are paying for your baby. Total strangers are paying for your baby. Do you not think that's bizarre? I do. But I really like... When I fell pregnant, me, like, me nan started, like... She did have the odd, like, crying there, and... We weren't too sure what what I was going to do at first, because at first I was thinking I would never get rid of a baby. Right. Because I just couldn't kill him, like, a, something that's growing inside me and that's living already. Because mm-hmm. it's murder. That's how I see it. Right. And then I, had, I thought, like, the lad I'm with now, he's not the biological dad. What? He's not the biological dad of the baby that I'm having. So where's the biological dad? He doesn't. He got rid of me when I told him I was pregnant. OK. 
Can you understand why? No. You can't understand. How old was he? He's 18. Oh, so uh, isn't it illegal to have sex with somebody under 16? Yeah. Isn't that against the law? I know that. Isn't that virgin on rape? Yeah. So, how old is this new boy? Same age. As you? Or 18? No, 18. And he doesn't mind you being pregnant? No. He said, we've been together for seven months now and he's taken the pregnancy really, really well. I didn't think he would. And he's away at the moment. He works away. He's in the Navy. Right. And when I, when I see him, we talk about the baby. And So how long have you actually spent with him in seven months? Um, quite a long time. Really? I thought you said he was away. Well, since he went away. And where where are you going to live? Um, at the moment, I'm still living in Milan's. And from I'm a ward of the court. You're a ward of the court. Yeah, so I've got to stay with Milan until I'm eighteen. Right. And then from then, what I'm going to do? Well. What my boyfriend just told me, well, said to me, he's asked me if I could, if I want to live with him. So, I don't know what to say for that. Well, I wouldn't say anything right now. I would see how it pans out. Um, see how the relationship goes. Well, absolutely, absolutely. Can I ask why you're ward of the court? Um, I really don't know. All right. See... Do you not think it would have been better to wait to have a baby before... To to think... A baby costs, I think it's about £50,000 to have a baby now, uh, up to the age of 15 or 16, something like that. Right. Awful lot of money, £50,000. And I understand, and I don't doubt for one minute you won't love the baby, but do you not think it would be better to have a home, to be settled with somebody you know you're going to spend time with, to have a nice job before you plan on having a baby? I did I did think of that a while back, like a really, really long time ago. But then I thought the more arguments me and my mum had, the more time I kept thinking, I really want a baby. I want to give this child a life that... But you're not giving a child a life. You're a 15-year-old child yourself. What life are you giving a child? What can you offer, apart from love, what can you actually offer a new baby? You're 15 years old, you have no means of income, you have nowhere to live, thank God you're with your nan. What can you, yes. apart from love... Peter, when yeah. you think about it, right, in our school, there's been... I'm not bothered about your school, I'm talking about you. Don't. I'm not in the slightest interest in, in anybody else. I'm asking you. What can you, how can you afford prams, clothes, presents for the, the child? You get a grant, don't you? Oh, the grants? You get a grant towards the stuff that you get. And then from then, what I've been doing is the money I get off my nan for, like, clothes and that for myself. I don't spend that money on myself. I concentrate on the baby. Because I don't want to... All my stuff, all my clothes are, like, going small on me. And I'm thinking... I don't care about myself. I want this baby to get as much as I did when I was a baby. So I've been putting money away. So I can't, I can't touch it. Being putting money away, getting stuff gradually, and then I'm gonna get some baby clothes, some stuff for the baby, and then when it's here, hopefully I have some more money. 
get the get the pram on that. Save up some, like save up more money, and then hopefully plan out what I'm gonna do in the future with the baby, and hopefully get a job as well. And what about food, heating? That's what, I'm, that's what I mean. I'm saving up for it. How can you save up? You've got nothing to save up with. I do get money. Are you pocket money from your gram? Don't get pocket money. <laughs> Well, what do you get then? Well, my nan's been throwing money for the baby. Right. So, what I'm doing from that is I'm just saving it up. And the more money I get, the more it'll go to the baby. And then, I'm gonna obviously, I'm going to get food and stuff. But I'm not relying on... My nan's done a lot for me in the past. So, so if you're not relying on your gran, who are you going to rely on? I can get a job, can't I, once I turn 16? How can you get a job and look after a baby? Um, day centres, creches. Right. Who's going to give you the money for the day centres and creches? Um, well, there's one that you can go to and it only costs four pounds for four hours and um, I was looking at that on the internet as well and I thought well if I get a job that's only like around three hours And what are you qualified to do? Nothing yet because I haven't, I haven't done my GCSEs or anything But how are you going to do your exams while you're pregnant? Well I've been going on the internet and, like, looking at some stuff on the internet. Revision-wise. So, I'm going to start revising more. And I'm going to go start going into school a bit more as well. So you've been missing school a lot? Yeah, quite a bit. Because I've been in and out of hospital and... Through the pregnancy and... So have you had problems with the pregnancy? Not a lot, but just pains and stuff like that. So how have the school um, um, been over the fact that you've been missing school? Um, we've been having meetings and that, and, like, calf meetings, and everything's OK up to now. Because we've got a new, like, where in... She's um, the one who does the registers and that. So what she's doing is she said to to us that she needs a doctor or an extreme sign or inform to say that I'm pregnant, to confirm that I'm pregnant. Are you not showing? I am showing, yeah. All right. Only a little bit, though, not much. Right. I'm a little bit speechless. I'm going to be honest, Sarah. Um, you know, you, you, you sound like a nice young lady. You've got your nan supporting you. I really, honestly, don't think you've ever grasped that fifty thousand pounds, roughly, to bring a child into this world and to raise it for a few years. It's an awful lot of money. And even the grants aren't going to give you that sort of money. Yeah, but if other teenagers have done it, I can do it as well. But other teenagers are different. An awful lot of teenagers haven't done it. An awful lot of teenage teenagers have left their babies with somebody else. I wouldn't do that. What, what happens when you want to go partying? Wouldn't want to. Oh, you're never going to go partying ever again? I've got you're a baby. Got a baby to keep you really, really, really believe that you will never, ever go partying ever again because your baby is your life and nothing else counts anymore. I would do that. I'd do anything. So when your guy comes home from the Navy and wants to go out five nights, six nights a week because he's just come home for a couple of weeks... I'd you... let him. Oh, you won't go out with him? Well, there's only one time I'd ever want to go out with him and that's on his birthday. I don't think your relationship with him is going to last very long, love. 
if that's all you're going to do is go out with him once on his birthday? No, I'll go over him more like, but... You actually scare me, Sarah. I'll be very honest with you. You scare the living daylights out of me. You, you worry the life out of me. Thank you. Pleasure. Nice to talk to you. Hello, Rose. Hello. Hi. All right, peace. Hi. Do you know what? Honestly, no, that that's Sarah. Yeah. No, my heart goes out to her. My heart goes out to her because she's got the motherly instinct just in her voice. How can I you wasn't have... much older than her when I had my first baby. Really? No. And who paid and for? I've had six. And who paid for your first baby? I was 17. Yeah, who paid for your first baby? My husband. Oh, right. So you had somebody with you. That's oh, great. yeah. That's fantastic, Rose. Oh, he worked, yeah. That's fantastic. But then I went on to have another, another... Well, I've got six. Yeah. But that poor girl, God knows, she, she, she'd probably make a better mother than half these 20-odd and 30-odd-year-old women do. Because she's got it in her voice. I can tell because I'm a mother. And I can tell by her voice. She loved that baby from the minute she found out. And this Mark fella, well, isn't he lucky? He got a job. Oh, hang on, hang on, don't do it, but hang on, don't throw it on Mark. So you no, think? I'm not. Hang I'm on, are you saying, saying are you saying that we should we should we should keep this baby? You do, no, no. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute, peace. If you see little baby starving in the street, you wouldn't give it a, a fire. Of that. course, of course, of course, I would. But you're telling me that it's quite right that she just thinks money's going to grow on trees and she's yeah. going to help from. You think that's and right? I'm, and then the others. I'm not bothered about others. We're talking about her. Yeah, but that poor girl. My God, him. Apart from being a watered course, that's her business. It, it's not her business at 15 when she's got no money to pay for it. No, it's not her business. It's everyone's Hang business. On a it's everyone's business. Is a piece. Oh, it is. Well, if you're right, then she keeps the baby. Fine. I ain't got a problem with that, Rose. Why should I pay for her baby, 15 years old? And why should my, my, other, my other four kids pay? Well, they will. I've got four working. Right, so what, but, but why should they? Working. Why should but they? But they've all got kids. But why and should? all love them. Why should she have a baby at 15 year old, years old to an 18-year-old man, which is, by the way, against the law, and well, he's cleared it. off and not helping that's her, it. and she's going to use her grandmother's pocket money to keep the baby, Rose? And I can handle them yourself, please, and as all I did was give the kids money. Yeah, and pocket money doesn't keep a baby. No, but you keep a baby anyway. It's a baby innocent. It can't defend itself. You can't see this, can you, Rose, at all? Oh, I can, you know. It doesn't sound like it, I'm Rose. A, I'm a mother, and I'm a grandmother of 13. My daughter's just a little baby. She's 27. That's her first baby. But she loved that baby. Oh, my God. If you could see her with her. So you don't, you don't think that Sarah... Insane. You don't think that Sarah is like somebody with a new toy that will go off it after a while. No, 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 So no. she'll never go out partying again, as she said. She's got this guy that's going to stand by her, who's in the Navy. No way is he going to well, stand by her. he's a good lad. But if he, he does, he's a good lad. But he isn't. But I tell you what, she won't need him if she's a good mother. She'll need someone to provide for her. Maybe the kid... To give the kid a chance, she's 15. So, all right. She, but, might, she might turn out, she might go to college and do something with herself. Well, she's not she's going to school. Hang baby. on, hang on. She's not going to school, Rose. So what's what, what chance has college got? How many kids are going to school now? I'm and, not and bothered present. about other kids. I'm talking about Sarah, who has come on here at 15 years old, a lovely spoken young lady, and I've never heard naivety like it. But she like touched it. my heart. She touched my heart because I could tell in her voice that she will make a good little mother. And it's a pity a lot of other kids wasn't a court. A, 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 what was the cause? Court, court, Maybe court. they would have been still allowed to dig. OK, Pete. All right, Rose, I don't uh, see where that last remark fits in because we don't know why she was in court as a ward of court. She said herself <laughs> she didn't know. Hello, Kerry. Hello. Hi. 
I'm phoning um, to give a different point of view for the simple reason that my daughter ended up in the same position mm-hmm. as Sarah. And I was absolutely devastated when I found out um, because unfortunately, by the time we did find out, she was actually 26 weeks pregnant. So it came as an enormous shock. But part of the problem, I think, having gone through it, is there are far too many people telling these kids it's okay. School, connections, midwives. I was made to feel like there was something wrong with me because I was so angry and so devastated by it. They are told straight away what they're entitled to. Uh, As it happens, my daughter lives with me and I provide for her. Um, She doesn't claim income support or anything um, and the baby's living with us. And we try to do it as best as we can without claiming all this money because I said to her, I cannot change my moral feeling on the issue purely because she's my daughter. It's wrong. But everybody falls over these teenagers. It's such an interesting slant, Kerry, to hear a refreshing, refreshing woman like you with principles and morals. Uh, and you've been torn apart because it's your daughter. I mean, it I'm comes over loud and clear. Yeah. She is, I mean, she, well, she was an A-star student. Um, as it happened, the, the baby was poorly when he was born and spent two weeks in Alder Hay. And she actually had to take her GCSEs sat in Alder Hay Hospital. And she passed every single one of them. She got 12. Uh, she is a very clever girl, but obviously has no common sense whatsoever. And I can't tell you how much I was devastated. And when I try and say to the teachers who kept telling me it was okay, I asked her, was she going to come and wait at the hospital door? And was she going to look after my daughter and the baby when she left? Because they have no comprehension of how it's going to affect everybody else in the family. I have two sons, and obviously it's going to affect them as well. Yeah, but Kerry, you know these teachers so very well. It's politically correct to say that to you. But then they go home on their bike and then drive away and they have no problems. I couldn't agree with you more. Everything you say, I couldn't agree with you more. I was so angry because I said, you aren't dealing with this situation. You're going away having said your little piece and leaving the rest of us to pick up the pieces. Hmm. They have no idea. And I think part of the problem is the fact that they can do all of this without the parents being involved. Connections wouldn't talk to me. I mean, when my daughter got pregnant, she was 15. And I said, well, it's ludicrous. She can't even go and buy a box of paracetamol at a chemist. But you can deal with her in this pregnancy without telling me a thing. And that needs changing. I think that law is ridiculous. A child of 15 is irresponsible. So to be able to deal with it without talking to me is ludicrous. How's she with the baby? She, I have to say, <laughs> she's absolutely wonderful with the baby. Baby all right, by the way, now? He's smashing now, yeah, yes, yeah. thank you. He's four months old and he's a beautiful baby. Luckily for her, he's extremely placid and very, very good-natured. Uh, but I think at 16, she's too young to appreciate it, yeah. And how are his uncles with him? Oh, they adore him yeah. and he adores them. She is very, very lucky in that we are, you know, a fairly close-knit family and she is very, very lucky. But believe me, she's under no illusion. I will not let her get away with anything. And like you were saying about going out partying, she doesn't go out. She doesn't go out. You know, you I... see, what what comes over, Kerry, which is absolutely amazing, I'm so, so pleased you came on, because you are putting a different side, but you're mm-hmm. putting your side over, and I don't know Sarah's situation, the mm-hmm. grandmother must, must be the most wonderful woman in the world, but she's an older lady. Yeah. You've come over, you've told us your passion, you've told us your honesty, you've told us about your, uh, your principles, and thank God she's got you round her. But you could see these single mums with their prams going out, looking for the benefits and having no support from any of the family. No, no. of course you can. I mean, I live in Warrington and there are plenty of areas in Warrington where there are little clusters of them and you can see them everywhere. And I actually, I mean, I know this is really awful, 
but there's a, a pretty rough area in Warrington. And when we found out that she was pregnant, I drove her there and I said to her, go on, ask, pick your flat. <laughs> I said, you can have, <laughs> I said, you'll have a drug addict next to you, a prostitute above you, someone on benefits next to you on the other side. I said, and if that's the life you've chosen for yourself, then get on with it. And I must have sounded like the worst mother in the world, but it's reality. You know, I would never have let her go and stay in a place like that. But she had to be aware if that was the position she could have landed herself in. Kelly, I love you. Thanks for coming <laughs> on. ta -da. Bye-bye. The best of Pete Price on Radio City 96.7. Trisha, good evening. Hi, Pete. All right. Thank you. I've just been listening about, you know, you're going on about cocaine and should we let people get on with it? Mm -hmm. But I, I don't agree with that. I said, you know, for me, it's like, you know, I'm a recovering addict myself, you know, when I haven't used now for five years, mm -hmm. you know, and I actually got created by myself. And I think sometimes for me, people don't have choices, you know, and I didn't take that drug through choice. You know, I had an horrendous childhood, as certain people do, and an easy way out for them, like a lot of addicts, is taking drugs. But isn't that a cop-out, Tricia? We can all say no, that. Please, every, every, you know, Tricia, every no. one of us can say that. Every one of us can yeah, say that. Yeah, we can. Yes, I totally agree by saying that. Yeah, we can. Right. But me as a person now, I think, do you know what? Yeah, I may have... That's, I didn't, no one put my hand up my bag until... No one put their hand up my back mm -hmm. and told me to take that. I chose to do that myself, you know. And at the end of the day, I've also been clean for five years, you know. And for me now, you know, it's nice to help other people. And I didn't use the National Health, by the way. You know, I'd go to meetings every single night, put a pound in the pot, you know, and going from a first meeting, which we we pay as volunteers, that got me clean. Do you know what I mean? Well, you, so must I be, you must be a very, very strong lady, young lady, because that's a hell of a story, you know, to do it all yourself. I mean, that really is because you know yourself, you've seen addicts. How the hell they get through like what you've got through, I think they're all hats off to you. I think that's incredible. Trisha. Yeah, but you know, for me, that's it. You see, you know, when I've got three, I've got three, three kids as well myself. You know, when mm -hmm. I had my eldest one taking it as well, and it was like, you know, thank God I got clean then to help my son because he had both parents who were addicts. Mm -hmm. You know, and if but, you've got both parents addicts, mm -hmm. it's one of your children is bound to turn out to be an addict too. Whether it's cocaine, whether it's alcohol, whether it's gambling, it's all an addiction, no matter what it is. Trisha, let's let's talk about these three that I mentioned. We had Kerry Katona, who's got a following. Ricky Hatton's got a huge following. The girl off X Factor. There's three of them that's been in the paper snorting cocaine quite openly yeah. uh, in the front page because they've been set up. But and then, what does that send out? Well, first of all, Ricky Hatton, sports fanatic. So all the sports people going, it must be all right. Then we've got the X Factor. Let me finish. And then we get the yeah, X Factor who sends out to all the kids, oh, she's snorting coat, let's try a bit of that. And then we get Kelly Katona. What the hell are we fighting here, Trisha? It's not, yeah, but it's not, a t you know, like the Kelly, Kelly Cantana, for instance, and right? You look at her background, her life, the way she's been, the way her life has been. Do you know what I mean? And a lot of addicts, who, I mean, I'll tell you now, nine times out of ten, addicts have had a horrendous childhood, whether it be abuse, sexual abuse, anything. But Tricia, she a was way. a star. She was a beautiful but, woman married to an incredible guy who was in a boy band. She was successful. She had money. You can't just say, no, look at her childhood. Yeah, but some, nine times out of ten, Pete, that's why people do it. I mean, I wouldn't, I, it's like you say, and she would just let them die. No, I don't agree with that, no, because, you know, it's like the other fellow was on the phone before, and he was going on about so all these addicts, all these heroin addicts, you know, robbing people. You know, maybe maybe, maybe a few of them do, but I'll tell you what, not, not all of them do. No, but what he but, was saying, the point he was making was, if we made it legal, where are they going to get the money from to pay for the habit? Would they start robbing? That's, what, I think, the point he was making. I think more like the I mean when I was taking mine, I I worked full time, I you know I had a good job when I was when I was when, when I was doing it myself. But I just feel very strongly about people using cocaine, you know. And if I could help anyone come off that drug, believe me, I would, mm. because it's the most horrendous and addictive drug you can actually take. Mm. And when you do get when you are on that, you know, and people say, "Will you move on to other things?" You know, thank God I didn't move on to other things. Trisha, you know, tell I, us where you are today. Tell, tell us how you get through the days. Do, and are there times now where you go, God, I'd love a line? No, do you know what, Pete? No. 
Because you know what? Now I've got my three sons, right? Yeah. And I've just got I've just my sons just had twins, so I've got my twin granddaughters. I work two jobs. I have one day off a week out of seven, and I have my grandkids from nine o'clock in the morning until seven o'clock at night. Because for me, if I don't pick a drink up, I can't pick the drug up. So I don't, I'm actually don't touch a thing. So you don't drink at all. I don't even drink. Five, right. That's five years. Nothing. So did did drink make you take cocaine? Yeah, it was dual. Yeah, you see, that was it. A friend of mine, bless her, um, she drinks and can't handle a drink. Cocaine steadies her out and gives yeah. her more time to drink more and yeah. stay well, open later. That's why they say, you yeah. know, people don't understand as well. You drink yeah. the cocaine comes in with the drink. Yeah. If you don't pick that drink up, you're not yeah. going to pick the drug up. Yeah. And if people get that message, right, because at first, when I went to recovery, I was thinking, but I'm not an alcoholic, I'm an addict. Yeah. Then I got a bit more awareness in recovery that, you know, I know I couldn't pick a drink up because if I did pick a drink up, the drug would follow. And if more people got that awareness about if they picked that drink up, the drug would follow, believe me, but a lot of people don't get it. Trisha, you're a nice lady. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Ta-da. What a strong lady. What a strong lady. Not many like that, tell you. Hello, John. Hi, Pete. Hi, John. Um, I just want to go back to that lady caller before because the cocaine and their arguments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was in the forces for 10 years and I tried to get a posting back to the UK because my mum was an alcoholic. Right. Um, I didn't manage to get one. Uh, my mum ended up uh, passing away. I called to the forces and I got I got into like light drugs, cannabis, and then eventually got into cocaine. Um, I was an addict for 10 years. ended up getting off it and then I'm now a drug worker helping people get off drugs. And What I see now, and I, I understand a lot more about why people are getting into drugs. And that lady hits the nail on the head. You know, the majority of people who get into drugs now is a victim of circumstances. Once they become an addict, and addictions are, you know, it's a powerful thing. Mm. Um, it, it takes over you. You know, I've seen people come off heroin who have been, you know, career criminals. They've done all real bad things, you know, burglaries, robbing people and stuff. But once they get off the drugs and they reintegrate back into society and they become a better person, they're the most loveliest people you'll ever meet, and the guilt and the remorse and the, everything that goes along with it, it, you know, it's 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 painful to see because you, you, I think you really need to understand how addiction works to you know, to criticise people who, who get into drugs and commit crimes to feed the habit. So what do we do? We see all these people from all walks of life snorting cocaine. It's the fashionable drug right now. So many people I know do it. You go to a club, they don't hide the fact they're doing co- cocaine anymore. What do we do about it? Well, there's, there's nothing you can do. You know, people, I've seen people from all walks of life in my job, you know, police officers, firemen, doc- doctors, solicitors, people who've lost their jobs, their careers, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds. It's, it's, it's a crazy drug to get into. At first, it becomes recreational, going on Saturday night. People just using it, you know, to go out drinking. Then it becomes like twice a week. Then people are sitting in the house, recluse, become recluse. Once the addiction takes over, they're at home and they're snorting cocaine at home, drinking, you know, smoking a lot of cigarettes because that's the type of, you know, that, what that drugs to you because it's a stimulant drug. And people just come recluse and they don't want to admit they've got a problem because it just grab, it just comes up and grabs you from behind. And before you know it, you know. You've lost everything, and I've seen it happen a thousand times in, in in my job, and it's so shameful what this drug does to people. It's you know, it's it's worse than heroin if you like. But you know, heroin can be treated with substitute medication, whereas cocaine, it can't be treated. You'd have to, you know, counsel these people and and try and make them sort of see sense what they're doing. But it's it's so powerful a substance. It's, it's ridiculous, really, and it's, it's ruining this country. How do we make... Well, it's not just this country, is it? It's loads of countries. Okay. But how do we make people understand? You know, I mean, everybody knows, uh, you know, I snorted cocaine once. I didn't do it ever again because I knew I would be addicted, John, straight away. Yeah. I, I I did it at the most amazing party. I didn't want the party to end. Everyone was snorting cocaine. I've never done it before. Never. And they said, snort, t- t- sniff a line of cocaine and you will feel great and you'll get through the party. And I got another eight hours out of the party and I was riddled with guilt from it because I knew 
because I'm addictive. I don't have chocolate in my house because I'm addictive. <laughs> you know, no, seriously, I don't oh, have no, chocolate definitely. in my house because I'm addictive. Imagine me with cocaine. I'd be like that. I think, to be honest, Pete, I think that the government's have got a lot to answer for. They should be, you know, spending money on raising awareness of, 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 how, of, how, of how much this stuff can ruin people's lives. I don't think they do enough to raise awareness. You know, we've just got the likes of ourselves who are in this, this field of work. You know, we, 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 you know we're, we're paid by the government and it comes down our funds. And, but I think the government needs to raise awareness to, you know, scare tactical... But, John, yeah, but John you talk about scare tactics. Look at the scare tactics for drink driving. It doesn't bother anybody anymore. The more you see, look at the, the dreadful pictures on the cigarette packets. It doesn't put people off. But, Pete, if, if, it, if it has an impact on one person's life, surely that, that's good yeah. enough. Late night. City with Pete Price on Radio City 96.7 and City Talk 105.9. Katie, you've been on Queenie's Christmas. I have, yeah. Right, let me explain. It's a charity uh, set up by Herbert in, and Christine in name of in, in the name of his mother, uh, Queenie. And he has Christmas lunch, but he's now diversified and started doing other things. Now, you were part of one of the other things, weren't you? I was, yeah. So tell us what it was all about. Um, we went for our, a meal in the Savoy Hotel in Blackpool mm-hmm. and then went to the Blackpool Tower to watch a circus. Mm-hmm. And then we were meant to be going to see the lights, but because we never got turned on until 8 o'clock, we went to a McDonald's. Ah, you didn't get to the lights because you're all a lot of children. Now, you are all carers, aren't you? Yeah. Tell us about that. Um, it's if your mum or dad is ill or anything and you care for them on your own. Then you do part of them. So you look after your mum? Yeah. And can I ask how old you are? Fifteen. Fifteen. So your life, part of your life, is looking after your mum as well as schoolwork and being yourself and having fun? Yeah. How long have you done that? Um, Since I was about six. So it's just part of your life now. You know no different. Yeah. Do you get any help at all? Off my auntie, yeah. So your auntie comes in? Yeah. And your mum must... Well, you must love your mum very much, but she must appreciate you so much over that. Yeah. It's an incredible thing. And all the people with you today were young carers, weren't they? Yeah, all of them. Did you all talk to each other on the bus? Yeah, we got to know everyone. And were you surprised at some of the younger ones, and even younger than you? Yeah, there was some about five or six. Who are carers yeah. for their parents. They look too young. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. And there was a lovely little girl who wouldn't let go of her mum and she was crying and she didn't want to get on the bus. And I was talking to her mum. Eventually she got on the bus and hopefully she had the best day of her life. But I was talking to her mum and her mum was saying that she was crying because her mum had had a few bad turns lately and so she didn't want to leave her because of that fear that something would happen when she'd gone. Oh. And you must go through that yourself, those sort of things. Yeah. It's it, it's. Have you always... I mean, how do your friends cope with you being a carer? I don't really explain it to them, to be honest. How, how hard is it to do? It's, it is very hard, yeah. And sometimes your mum must feel very guilty having to let you do stuff like this. Yeah, I think she does, yeah. Well, I think it's right. Now, did you have a nice day? Oh, I loved it. It was fab. What was the circus like? Oh, it was amazing. And when you all came home, were all mums and dads waiting and everything? Yeah, all the mums and dads are waiting outside. The so they're all waiting, picking up. Yeah. Anybody, and uh, did you make new friends? Yeah, quite a few, yeah. Fantastic. And you just had a lot of fun. Yeah, I loved it. Katie, I'm so glad you came on. Oh. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Hello, John. All right, mate. Hi, what can we do for you? Uh, what it is, I drink, normally drink in my local. Mm-hmm. And um, to be honest, mate, I'm sick of seeing all the underage kids coming in getting served with alcohol, I'm not even being identified, to be honest. Right, so why don't you complain to the manager? Uh, I why have, don't you change on various occasions, a few of us have, but he doesn't seem to be doing anything about it, you see. Well, if the regulars go and you don't go anymore, then surely that will make him realise. Yeah, well, that's what we hope anyway. Um, And you say he does it on a regular basis? Yeah, well, basically on a Friday and Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And he has no door staff checking? Nope. It's just like a private pub. All right. But well, uh, I, think, maybe... I, think, I think it's quite dis- disgusting, like. 
Well, maybe you and the regulars should uh, boycott the pub until he changes his ideas. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Thank you for that, John. Hello, Phil. Hello, Pete. Yes, Phil. No, I mean, I was just listening to the programme, turned it on the last 20 minutes, and it's been a while since I've been up to Liverpool, but um, this chap saying about the cameras, um, and yourself saying about the cameras, earning, what was it, a million pounds? A million pounds on two, on two bus lanes <laughs> in seven yeah. months. You ought to try going down to London. Oh, but... yeah, but hang on. You get three points automatically in London. Oh, you, I know. I've you, been I mean, there. You, you do not. You do not go in a bus lane in London. In any, You get three points automatically on your licence. I've been there. I've done it, Pete. I will never drive to London again. For I will never go to London. No. It's into to offer me that impresses me, to be honest. You know, I'm more impressed with Liverpool. I've got a... I love Liverpool, simple as that. Well, I stopped outside Wembley one Sunday morning and stopped in a bus lane just in a little back street, so I thought, just to get a newspaper, and I got a fine. And I didn't even realise it was on camera. Some of the signage around there in London, it directs you into bus lanes, or so it seems. Yeah. It's absolutely crackers around there. But the point I wanted to make... All these cameras, they say it reduces crime and all that. And it is there just to earn money. No, it's I mean, not to reduce crime. It's to keep the flow of traffic, especially in London. You need bus lanes. You have to have bus lanes. Well, you say that, Pete, but they're counterproductive because they're taking up. It's like you said before, there's a bus lane in Liverpool outside St George's Hall yeah. that's there for nine hours and you can't drive in it and it's not being used. Well, what's the point of that? Oh, I've written about it in my column. I've, I've rang them I've, and you just get a letter back of gobbledygook. Ooh, and yeah, I was saying to your, your operator before, the reason I wanted to come on, I make, want to make a point about all these cameras, apart from obviously the traffic cameras, but the CCTV cameras, mm -hmm. they're supposed to reduce crime, enforce the law, what have you. And I, I'm very cynical about them because I got my partner out of Kirkdale back in 2006, 200 yards from a police station, right? And I remember this quite clearly, the situation around there, where there were yobs running around chucking bricks in broad daylight, and they bricked her house, and the police would not come out on a 999 call that particular day. I got her out of there. There was no cameras, there was no police, no one turned up, because they don't make money out of it, you know what I mean? And it just ir irritates me about cameras enforcing these silly laws that they've got. But we do need bus lanes, and we do need bus lanes in Liverpool because it does get a bit chaotic, and the buses need to flow through because of the traffic and because they don't block out, and then people can use the bus uh, buses so they don't get late for work. So that's great. But what is the point of having a bus lane 24 hours when buses don't use it? Well, yeah, exactly. It's just this whole thinking from the powers that be up the stairs that seem to... They, they, they know better. And a blanket ban on using a lane, <laughs> you know, we can't use it all day. He seems yeah. to improve the traffic. It doesn't. But at the same time, like you say, the buses should be able to get through. But there's got to be a better way of doing things, don't you think? Phil, I'll leave it on that. Hello, Paul. Hello, Pete. What it is, uh, and by the way, great show. Thank you. Uh, can we talk about the bus lanes? Yeah, sure. Uh, it was about three months ago, I got um, primed to be in a bus lane over in Lime Street. Mm -hmm. um, and I got the ticket through, and it was a picture or two pictures showing a partial image of my car, the registration bonnet, you know, that's it. And I've got a lot going on in my mind. And to be honest, I, d I just paid. I didn't ask them to expand the picture to find out what it was about. I don't use bus lanes um, because half the time I don't know when they're active, when they're not, because some yeah. of them are part time, obviously. Yeah. So, uh, anyway. It's a long story short, I just paid it. And when you were saying before, what could we do to, you know, um, to make things better? I think, you know, maybe they should put the signs that they have on them saying when they're active. Like small blue signs and the signs on, quite often you can't see them, you know. Um, and I think, you know, what the guy said before about Rice Lane and putting cameras up everywhere, why can't they, on the back of the cameras, maybe put some sort of electronic sign saying hours of operation and when they're free to use, you know? Um, but they're not, sense. most of them are 24 hours, that's why. Oh, they may, I don't know. So, if that was the case, if, but the ones that aren't, you know, if they could do that, maybe they wouldn't do that because it cost them money and they wouldn't get any revenue from it. And that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> um, I said in my column that I think they should give them a chance. You should have a written yeah. warning the first time. 
So, yeah. you, so you've, you know, out of common courtesy, say, well, right, you've used a bus lane. Uh, don't do it again. Next time you'll get fined. I think it's very that, that would be really, I think so. I think so. And I think it's sad that they haven't done that. Yeah, thank you very much for your time. All right, Paul. Nice to talk to you. Hello, Margaret. Hello, Pete. Hi. Um, I, I just heard, you know, the chap came from London saying what a wonderful city we are since the capital of culture. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we were a wonderful city years and years and years ago. I think we've always been a wonderful city. And I'm very passionate about it. I think we've had our dark days, Margaret. Yes, but the 50s and 60s were wonderful. Mm, yep. They were fabulous. We had the riots. That was our downfall. That was our downfall, I think. You know, the, the uh, down south, they, talk, they had gangsters. They had the craze. We didn't have anything like that. We did have gangsters, Margaret. Yes, but they, they were they... undercover. We didn't know. These were... Uh, smart gangsters who walked around and, you know, you think back when you were a youth, you're the same age as me, you fought with your fists. We had teddy boys with chains. Mm -hmm. Didn't we? Yeah. We were a wonderful, I, it was a wonderful, wonderful city. You know, I went down to get wooden boxes for me, my mum to light the fire with. You know, we didn't need the capital of culture to tell us how wonderful we were. We were wonderful before we got a bad name. We really were wonderful. You know, and we still had all them wonderful buildings, but nobody came and looked at them. And I'm so proud of the capital of culture. Don't get me wrong, it's done wonderful. But we were good before that. We were good before the Beatles. You know, we, we were wonderful, self-sufficient city in in our own way. Mm. We, you know, we had warmth, and we've never lost that warmth. You know, and it just makes me mad that everybody seems to think that we're this city because we've got all these buildings and we've got all this beautiful... We were like that before. Mm. I believe, I really believe that we were like that before. And then we had the bad time when we had the riots and we had, everybody was calling us robbers. And well, and we also had a council that didn't do us any favours, in my humble opinion. Yes, exactly. Every Everything like that. It, it, you know, you couldn't go anywhere and if you opened your mouth, you'd say, what's your handbag? And all that. Mm. That was a horrible time, and it's gone now. It's really, it, it's gone now. But I, I think if you went back to the 50s and the 60s when we were kids, it was a wonderful, wonderful city. It really was. It was so safe. You know, we just had bad times like everybody else. But everybody wants to say, oh, we're wonderful now because mm. we've got capital of culture. We were wonderful before. We were always a, a lovely, warm. Yeah, city. but no, yeah, but the, the thing what Capital Culture did it showed the world that we re, a lot of people the, the reputation had got round that it wasn't the greatest city in the world. Capital Culture, what they did with the television coverage we had, you could never have bought that for billions of pounds. No, around the world, and everyone went. Oh, my goodness. I mean, today, I did the grapes. The amount of tourists that go past Matthew Street and past the grapes and pop in, you see it every day. You see the hotels uh, full of strangers from all over the world. Yeah, but, Pete, you've got to be honest. They go to Newcastle now. They go to Edinburgh now. Everybody goes because every city's got something to offer. They're bringing out in themselves everything that's got to what. Well, they've, they've got to, Margaret, because tourism is the new... That's what I'm saying to you. It's the new business. But I'm, I hate when, uh, from down south, they never ever came up here. They didn't know what it was. And now they know they come because it's the capital of culture, which is wonderful. D don't get me wrong, I'm... Every bit, yeah, with, you know, 
like Newcastle and all these other places, Glasgow. You'd have never gone to Glasgow, would you? Only it's... Well, I went years ago with my mum and it was a dreadful place. It was yeah, dirty exactly. and grubby. Now it's a fantastic, fantastic city. place. I've yeah. been. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Because we're building and we're doing all these wonderful things. But what I'm trying to say is my sissy was wonderful when I was a child mm -hmm. in the 50s and 60s. I walked all over my sissy. You know... We were famous for Lime Street. We're prostitutes. I lived two streets up from there. I was never accosted or anything like that. You know, I just get mad when we think that we never had anything other than the Beatles, other than capital culture. We had it all, but we didn't put it on show. That's what I believe. I don't know if you agree with me. Um, I don't think it, 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 it was that we didn't put it on show. But as the Beatles got bigger and bigger, then the, the world saw more about Liverpool, you know. Yeah. Whatever anybody says about the Beatles, we cannot ever, ever knock the fact that it did help put us on the oh, map. Oh, God! You go anywhere in the world and you say you're from Liverpool and they go, the Beatles? That's what they say. Yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not saying anything about that. It was one... But we were before the Beatles. So what What did we have to put Liverpool on the map? We only had ourselves. We only had ourselves. And we were a wonderful community. Fabulous community. We were poor. Not everybody was poor, but most of the people who lived in the city centre was poor. We lived in tenements, terraced houses. But we had community, and nobody can ever, ever take that away uh, from me, from Liverpool. I mean, my sons are still in the heart of Liverpool. They're the only antique people left in Liverpool. Everything's gone. They took all that away from us with capital culture. How come you've got capital culture and you haven't got an antique shop anyway? It's like a joke. It's like a bloody joke. Well, but if there's no antique shops, it's evident because they've, they've got antique shops other places. Down in London. Well, they've got them everywhere. They've got them on the Wirral. Yeah, there's loads of antiques. Not shops. very many. There's lots closed on the Wirral and you them all. There's a lot of them closed. Well, they're closed while yeah, they're closed. Yes, but I'm saying, I'm not going into that because antiques have gone. You know, people don't want that. What? Margaret antiques are still, yeah, still the most... I don't agree with you at all. Most collectible things in the world. Only the good stuff. With the only one. the good well, stuff. Who wants anything else but the good stuff? <laughs> you know, only the good stuff. Hey, but, no, what I'm saying is, my city was wonderful. Mm -hmm. To me, it was. You know, in the 50s when I grew up and, mm -hmm. and that. It was a wonderful city. And we had the bad times where you couldn't open your mountain. You were a robber and and all that, and we had capital of culture. I've just, I just went down with my grandkids, went on the maze, he went, you know, I went, I couldn't believe I went up um, to where, you know, where the, the men are, and um, Waterloo, I've never seen anything like Waterloo, how fabulous it is. Smashing. All right, Margaret, nice to talk to you. The best of Pete Price on Radio City 96.7 and City Talk 105.9.